There's two things I'd like to say as I begin. Number one, I am a pastor and I deal with this subject quite a bit in private with people and and I have now for many years, but I am not a doctor. And so whenever you deal with the subject of depression in particular, discouragement a little bit different than depression, I think. Uh, but when we get into this area, I do not, I do not, I cannot prescribe medicine. Uh, I can recommend different things, but I, I'm very, I want to be very, very careful up front about that. I think sometimes preachers uh, act like they're clinical. This is, this is pastoral tonight. That doesn't mean that it's not serious or that to not take it serious, because I think God's word deals with some of those same issues. But there are times when people are dealing with physiological problems not only spiritual problems. So let me just say that um, by a way just of a, of, of a little asterisk on this, on this message. I, I hear people sometimes, and you'll see, hear these stories, and that's what the preacher said, and they may have needed to get some physiological help, and that, that's a real thing tonight. That's a real thing. Another thing is this. I won't be able to, in a message, deal with every single discouragement or problem or issue that maybe somebody is dealing with and uh, and maybe you're not dealing with that maybe you know someone that is I won't be able to cover it all so those two things I want to say uh, I want I want to lower the expectations down just a tad but I do want to bring you some hope and some help and if you're dealing with something that you may never battle anything like this but I find that many people do in fact the statistics uh, since COVID hit and matter of fact with young people from the time of the, of the uh, promulgation of cell phones up until the time COVID hit, and they kind of lost track of the numbers, the numbers for young, in particular young people dealing with things has skyrocketed. It's skyrocketed with the phone, it's sky, and then it's skyrocketed through COVID, and here we are. Um, and I keep up with quite a bit of that. I try to watch that all the time. I, I read things about that all that I can. I deal with that a lot. Um, with families and, and in private. And so I know that it's a real issue. We see this all the time. We hear stories all the time about someone who maybe is going through a spiritual battle. Well, we're going to look at an account here in a mental battle. And we're going to look at an account here in Haggai chapter 2. If you're in Haggai chapter 2, say amen. Now, I'll give you a little bit of a background because I am going to pull a, vo a verse out of the text. But in this background, we're going to read the first few verses here. It says, this is, they are comparing the temples here in Haggai. It says, in the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of uh, Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and, uh, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory. And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in the comparison of it as nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek. And that's a different Joshua, um, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. We're going to come back to that. For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. And I want you to notice Verse 5, and that's our, that's our text verse tonight. And, and, and I want you to note, it says, According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. And it goes on, 
And you can read the rest of the account. Hey, guys, not a, a, a big book, actually. You can read the whole book tonight. But here we see this prophet of God. And what was basically happening was, is the people had gotten discouraged. Some of them had remembered the former temple and how it was grand and glorious and they were rebuilding it. And it wasn't meeting the standard. It was not like it, they wanted it to be. It was one of the worst things to cause discouragement. Unmet expectations. And they had some unmet expectations. And you see that account. And so God sends them this preacher, this prophet, and he basically is encouraging them. And he said, and in fact, the title tonight is this, My Spirit Remaineth Among You. My Spirit Remaineth Among You. I like, let's say that out loud in case you fall asleep because it's warm in here. Y'all ready? Here we go. My Spirit Remaineth Among You. That's a big thing to say. That is a big statement to make is that the Lord is saying here, He is with them. Now, I want to just give you three thoughts tonight when it comes to this dealing with discouragement or depression. In fact, I I read something, uh, and and it was shocking when I read when it was written. I'm going to read this to you. This sounds like it was written this year, 2024 or 2023. I know we're just, it feels like we're just barely getting into 2024, but we're already into March. And in fact, dealing with this thing in this book, um, it says, of course, there are sufficient causes for depression and discouragement today. As we look around us and note worldliness and vice at full flood and the deadness and fruitfulness of much Christian ministry with the apathy and indifference concerning the perishing multitude in the part of many of the Lord's people and the steady decline in church membership and Sunday school attendance, We feel with our hearts and spirits drooping or tempted to hang our harps on the willows and thrust our sword into into its scabbard. It was so in the days of Haggai. Now, I read that, and I read this whole section. I won't read the whole thing. And this book was published, as most of my great books are, it was published a long time ago, in 1947. This is 2024. That, That book was published... In 1947. And if they thought it was bad in 1947, well, they'd really think something now, wouldn't they? And it's easy if we're not careful, even those of us who are in ministry, to say, man, we're just going to hang up our harps and put our sword back in the scabbard and say, man, let's just, this is tough. This is hard to deal with. And if you don't think so, in these last several months, I have talked with different preachers, different ministries that totally different areas than us. And Trying to say, hey, preacher, hang in there. Hey, you can do this. Hey, God's with you. Hey, the Lord is on the throne. This isn't something that is unique to here or unique to you or unique to me. We see this all the time. But I want you to notice we see in the scriptures, though, something that the Lord gives us that will help us whatever the discouragement may come. Because it's going to come. And we know that sometimes down times and, and, and sometimes you may be a natural melancholy person. I was watching an old movie And they kept using the word melancholy. We don't really use that word as much today. But you may be that type. You know, you're just not as upbeat. Some of y'all get up in the morning and y'all are upbeat. But some of us take about five cups of coffee before we get going. Amen. But I want you to notice some things tonight because when you deal with this, I'll give you just some ammunition to deal with it. I want you to notice, first of all, write this word down. Number one is the word look. 
The word look. There's two areas. In fact, if you read this right here, the Lord tells them, the, the Haggai, to tell Zerubbabel, he says, hey, be strong, go to work. We're going to come back to work in just a moment. But he wants them to look. And there's two things that, that we need to look at tonight when it comes to being discouraged. And again, I'm not making light of anybody's plight. I've, I may not know your situation. You may be battling something that I have that is out of my realm of expertise. But I, I will say this, though, when it comes to whatever it is you may be dealing with, get a little down, a little frustrated, a little aggravated, as we are wont to do. There's two areas that you and I should look. Number one, we should look to the Lord's promise. We should look to the Lord's promise. Now, we've got to be careful. Sometimes I think we make promises where... Uh, they're proverbs, not promises. They are, they are teachings of truth, but they're not necessarily promises. Sometimes we will say certain things that are not in Scripture. But here in this passage, we, we see that uh, the Lord says, verse 4, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua and Josedek the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, saith the Lord, for I am with you. He said, I'm with you. Now, it may not look like it on the outside. You may not be pleased with the way things are going. But I'm with you. That's enough, by the way. That is enough to say, I am, I am with you. Saith, it says, the, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. He tells him twice. He said, I'm with you. I am with you. Sometimes you just need to hear uh, people say, I am with you. I, I think I've shared the story of um, the great missionary. It's an Adoniram Judson, I think it was. And, the big missionary movement, and they went down, he went to the country there, and I know I've shared it with some of the deacons and some of the different folks here in the church, but I remember the story kind of went like this, that he, would, he said, I'll go to the front lines, I'll go down into the caves of darkness, and I'll try to rescue people, I'll be on that thing. He said, but I need you folks, you men and women, that are back home in England and back home in, in Europe and Scotland, and I, I need you all to hold the rope. And they told him, said, we're with you. We're with you. We'll hold the rope. We'll give. We'll get the money. We'll do everything we can. There would be no missionary movement. That's what really started the missionary movement. It, started, it wasn't always the gospel going around the world. That missionary movement started because people went and people held the rope. And here we see the Lord's work. Is, it, the Lord says, I'm with you. If you're discouraged tonight, man, I'm going to tell you what. If the Lord's with you. Can you imagine some of y'all that play sports? Can you imagine if you're having a pickup game? Uh, we was mentioning today, college basketball player broke Pistol Pete's record. Pistol Pete died at a pickup basketball game in a church gym. He's a hero to me. I always love Pistol Pete. He was at an open gym. Can you imagine if you have an open gym and Pistol Pete showed up? Or Michael Jordan? And they said, well, I'll take him. <laughs> He'd be the first pick. Amen. Well, way more than that tonight, the Lord is on our side. And I want to encourage you tonight to look to His promise. And the Bible's full of His promises. Second thing, not only that, not only His promises, but how about this? His presence. He says, I'm with you. He promises that, hey, I'm going to help you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to guide you. I, I'm, I, am, I am going to do those things. I give you these promises. I've given you a covenant. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm not going to drop you. I know where you're at. You're not hidden from me. But also His presence. And that's really what it's about, isn't it? See, what happens is we sometimes, we, I, I, I say we, you may not do this. Let me put me there. I sometimes look at the outside too much. I sometimes say, now wait a minute, Lord, I can't see. 
And right here we see that's kind of what was happening. That's why this prophet Haggai went to, to God's people and said, hey, it's about who the Lord is. It's about who God is, not about the size of the building. It's, it's not about the, the, uh, the great places. You know, I've, been to some, I've been to some wonderful places. I, I mentioned there, uh, I've been to where Patrick Henry made his famous speech. You go to that church, you would drive by, you wouldn't think anything about it. That's beautiful. Beautiful stained glass beautiful. It's a still working church. But you wouldn't go, oh, look, man, that's, where the, that's the birthplace of freedom. You wouldn't think that. But when you go in there, it's what happened there. It was the presence. It's who spoke. It was the cause. They say of Shubal Stearns, the great Baptist preacher, that God used in a mighty way in the South and people were getting saved. But if you go to those places that these things happened, there are buildings of, of rough-hewn logs and there's no air conditioning. There's no lighting. I mean, it's, it's dirt floors and you can see through. The, I mean, I know it's been some time and years, but it isn't about the place. It's about the presence of Almighty God. I remember when I was at, uh, in Bible college, there was a big famous church that one of our preachers had started. It had become very prominent and very famous. And I remember in one class, they were teaching us like, now look, when you go to a church, you need to make sure your parking lot looks just right. And you need to make sure that your, that your nursery is top of the line. And you need to do everything the way God wants you to do it. And whatever you got. And they were teaching us how to set things up properly and right. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But then I had another class of a fireball preacher that told about when he, they helped start this nationally known church. And he got up and he preached and he said, we was out in the mud field, didn't have a driveway. We walked through the mud and the grass and God got in on it. And man, I said, thinking, I want this over the stained glass in the carpet. You see what you mean, preacher? It's the, it, we need to look to the presence of Almighty God. That's what we need. If God gets in it, that's what it's all about. And if you're discouraged tonight, we need the Lord. We know this, don't we? We understand this. Now, again, I know there's times where deep depressions come on. I've studied Spurgeon extensively who battled great. He would, probably, he would probably be diagnosed today as probably having serious depression. He would get so discouraged. In fact, he, he passed away in southern France. He had to get away from the pulpit. He, he, he would pastor, have thousands to come and hear him preach. But yet he would get so discouraged and so despondent. He called it the slough of despond. Just couldn't get out of it. And so sometimes those things happen. But many times you and I can look at the Lord's promise and the Lord's presence. Is his presence enough? Or do we need something else? In fact, we don't need to look. There's some things that we should not look at. Anybody ever got your eyes off the wrong, uh, on the wrong things? We kind of do that. We kind of get a little, a little distracted. I was so encouraged at the ball game. And, and I'll say something on a ball player I used to coach many years ago, John Keneal. He came over and watched our boys play in the championship. Man, I was so encouraged by that. And to see a graduate who some of the kids looked at me and said, man, you're old enough to have that old of a ball player that played. And, and I remember coaching him when he was very young. And I remember one time we were at Chapmanville, West Virginia, at a ball game. John Keneal was at the foul line. I remember because Lee Phillips hit his first three in that game. He banked a three, so tickled. Man, we had such a great time. But John Keneal was at the foul line. And the referee threw him the ball and hit him in the head because John was looking at the cheerleaders. <laughs> I never will forget that. I said, John, you got to focus on the game. And he just smiled. He said, sorry, coach. Hey, it's easy to get you 
That ref just hit him right in the head. I think the ref knew what he was doing. But, but it's easy sometimes, church, tonight to get your focus on the wrong things. Right? No matter who we are, I don't, you can be saved for a long time. Uh, here's some things we shouldn't look at. Our own feebleness. Man, if you look at your own feebleness. In fact, what's God, what God is saying through his prophet here is don't look at your feebleness. You, you, you look at your feebleness, you may fail a lot. We don't need to also, we don't need to look at our deficiencies. Now, we all have them. I don't know if you have any, but I have quite a few. They get spotted out very quickly. But we need to not look at those all the time. We, we see it through Scripture. We know this morning we mentioned Peter and the apostles. They had deficiencies. They could not tarry an hour. But God says to look at Him, not our deficiencies. Look at Him, not our feebleness. Look at Him. Here's, here's another one is our enemies. They had some enemies. They didn't, want, they didn't want the work to go forward. I promise you, God does not want us to have prayer time with our men and boys. Or, or, or Satan, I should say. Does not want us to, God does. Absolutely. The enemy doesn't. The world doesn't like it. The world doesn't like Sunday night church. The enemies of our homes and of our families and of our churches and of our ministries. We had babies here this morning at church. I could not help as all the packed family and the rest of the church came over. And we was... Uh, Ooing and on and loving on them and all those things. And I thought, man, the world hates this and we love it. The more babies, the better. Amen. And we love those things. And, and the reason is, is because the enemy hates those things. Another thing is we got to make sure that uh, uh, our, our sad condition. And sometimes we look at our sad condition too much. That doesn't mean to take away from it or that it's not real. We cannot focus. We have to look on the Lord's promises and we have to look at His presence. Not our sad condition. In fact, you think about the nation of Israel when God told them to get out of the land of Egypt. I mean, what really happened there? Some of them wanted to go back. The key wasn't the promised land. The key was who was going to be in the promised land. And that was the Lord Himself. So we need to look. Second thing tonight to help you during a time of of discouragement is we need to learn. We're going to learn. Well, learning can be hard. How many of y'all know learning can be hard? Learning can be an experience, can it? I always tell the kids in school, I said, you know, they used to call them disciplines because our mind does not naturally go to certain subjects. And so we discipline our mind. That's a discipline. In fact, they still, you'll still hear that from time to time. And we need to learn to have Strength, our strength comes from the Lord. In fact, you notice here, there's a duty of strength. Look what he says. The Lord just says this, and, and, and I don't want to put it in any common vernacular because I don't think it really fits, but let's go back and look at the text. It says, yet now, verse 4, yet now, be strong. Be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. And be strong, O Joshua. Calls them out by name. The high priest, the son, or son of Joseph, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land. Be strong, be strong, be strong. We have a duty of strength. We have a duty. Sometimes you have got to do your duty. Man, your post of duty. I preached a series here when I first became pastor. Well, a little bit after I became, I guess. Manning your post of duty. Sometimes, man, you've got to grit your teeth and get through it. You know, I know sometimes, we, you know, I've heard people say, well, suck it up, buttercup, and get through it. But there is a biblical teaching of doing what God wants us to do. I think Stoicism and some of the old Roman philosophers kind of stole some up from the Bible. But there is a toughness and a grit. There is a biblical manhood, a biblical 
toughness. By the way, it's not just men that are tough, women as well. But there's a biblical strength that we ought to have. And God says, be strong in the Lord. David was strong in the Lord. We get strong in the Lord by reading our Bible, by being faithful. We, we have a duty, absolute duty of strength. Sometimes we have to be very careful about this to make sure this be strong. To be strong. To be ready. To be praying. By the way, prayer makes you strong. The Word of God makes you strong. Staying in church makes you strong. We don't want to become weak and anemic in our walk with God. And sometimes, you know, if you go to, if you, if you go, and I don't want to, again, I'm not a doctor. If you go to a doctor and say, man, you're battling discouragement, they're going to ask, hey, when do you go to bed? What are you eating? What are you drinking? What are you allowing in your life physically that may have an impact on your rhythms of your body? And again, I'm no doctor, but that's just common sense. Like, hey, what are you doing? And just physically. Well, the same thing can be said spiritually. Trash in, trash out. We've got to be very, very careful about that. And it's easy to let down our guard and not realize, man, we're going to become very, very weak. Now, I know the world says, oh, it don't matter. You can do whatever you want to do. That's not true. That's simply not true. And God tells them here to be strong. And he's meaning be strong in them. Not in the power of their might, but in the power of his might. Secondly, the foundation of strength. It is the Lord's presence and the Lord's spirit. You see, we're strong because of who the Lord is. You know, sometimes, and I think people mean this good to me. They'll, they'll, they'll compliment me, I think. They'll say, Preacher, I don't know how you're doing. They're either complimenting me or telling me I need to rearrange my schedule. I can't tell. They say, Preacher, I don't know how you're doing it all. How do you get all this done? Let me say something to you. Don't look real close. I'm not getting it all done. But if I do anything good, I promise you this, it's because I'm relying on the Lord, not me. Because if I rely on me, honey, hey, I'd be at the house. I'm a, I am a train wreck most of the time. It's God's Word. It's the Holy Spirit. It's praying people. It's going to God. Hey, it's the Lord. It's nothing in me. And there's nothing in you. But guess what? We have the presence of Almighty God. I love, I love the chapter in the book. Uh, it's called Secret Power. But it's about D.L. Moody. And about these two ladies and went to Mr. Moody and said, we're going to start praying for unction and power to come down upon your ministry. D.L. Moody now, who was already being used on two continents. That was really, God was really using him in a mighty way already. But he said, they, he said after those ladies come to him, that there was this day he could get up and preach and it just seemed like God was just working and moving way beyond what he could imagine or think because of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And church, that's what we need tonight. I guarantee you this, if the Holy Spirit shows up, the, a lot of that discouragement and depression and things that we battle will go right out the window. It's an encouraging thing tonight to see God work and move in a mighty way. But He is the foundation and the fountain of our strength. That's where it comes from. And then another thing is the response of strength. You'll notice this. He says this several times. And, well, this just hit me here in, the, in, this, in this text. He says, and we're learning here. We're learning about strength. We're wanting to, okay, how can I be strong? How can I get through this time? What, I mean, I am, I am getting, you know, hammered here. I mean, I'm getting it left and I'm getting it right. I'm getting a gut punch and a head punch. Like, man, I'm in this battle, but I feel like I'm getting beat all over the place. But also we see the, the, the purpose of strength. Why did they have strength? It was to do the work of God. It wasn't just to be happy. We live in a world like, man, anything you can do as long as you're happy. That is really a, a, a very dangerous teaching. The joy of the Lord is our strength. But guess what? You can have joy and not necessarily be happy. 
Life is not going to Carowinds every day. You know, I was, when I was a teenager, everybody said, man, if we get to Carowinds, we'll have a great time. But it's not like that, is it? How many of y'all know it's not like that? Sometimes there's a toughness to life, and we have to do that. Now, let me say this to you. Here, here's the, here was the purpose of strength, and that was, he said, be strong. And he also said this word. I know this is not a popular word, but he said work. Work for the night is coming. He told him, say, go to work. Go to work. There, hey, physically, if you start working out, you start riding a bike, you start doing some jump rope. I know I can't believe this, but I can actually jump rope. There's endorphins or, or whatever they're called. It releasing your body. Hey, you'll be encouraged just physically by just getting moving. We know this. This is a pretty well-known thing. Well, let me say something to you. When you go to work for the Lord, you get busy for God, some good things start happening in your life. You just get busy doing what God wants you to do. Now, you can't just work for work's sake. You've got to do it in the power of the Lord and for the Lord. But you've got to go to work. I know I kind of make a fool out of myself at these ball games, but, you know, when we played this past weekend, last weekend, hard to believe now, you know, I kept telling the guys, because we, we had some games where we went ice cold, we weren't playing real great, and I know they heard it, because I, I was getting on everybody's nerves, I said, go to work. Kid teenagers pick at me about it. I said, go to work. And what I mean by that is, play defense, box out hard, get every loose ball, dive out of bounds, Say yes or no, sir, to your coach. Help your teammates. Do all these things that just seem like don't matter. They really do matter. In basketball and sports, if you play baseball, whatever, whatever sport, you go to work. Hey, you go to work. That's what takes place. A great player, championship is not made in the championship game. They're made in the offseason. If you lift weights, you know, those guys that lift weights, Brother Scott, weight lift. Hey, they said, go to work. Go to work. Keep working. Work to the, I mean, work. And God's people ought to be people that go to work for Him and serve Him. Like, hey, Lord, whatever it is you want us to do, let's go to work and let's do it. And I noticed something. I noticed something in those ball games. Our boys did go to work. They did go after loose balls. Glasses went flying across the court. There was a few bloody noses and mouths and hurts and aggravations and tears. And I mean, it was grit and tough. But guess what? You go to work sometimes. In sports, in life, some of y'all had to get up in the morning. Hey, you're tired, you're wore out. So, oh, preacher, don't bring it up. But you got to go back. Well, the same thing tonight. We need to learn to have those strength. Now, you say, preacher, I know these things. But sometimes we need to hear that. We need to be encouraged. And God, hey, through his prophet, is saying, keep working. Keep doing what it is that I want you to do. I'm with you. My presence, you're doing what I want. Keep on doing that. Hey, later on, I'm going to take care of all of it. In fact, that brings me to the last thing. We're talking about being discouraged. We're talking about my spirit remaineth among you. That same spirit that blessed there will bless you. Now, it may not look the same, and it may not have the same headlines. It might not be as pretty or as famous or as big. He said, but my spirit remaineth with you. We see the look. We see what we need to learn. And in case we missed it tonight, I don't think that you did. He says, my spirit. I want you to write this down. Not only look and learn, but also the, our Lord. Our Lord. Can I say this to you tonight? He is, and, and as I was reading, I was reading this even today. He is our ally. We are co-laborers with Him. Now, if you, if some of you that teach Sunday school, or if you're a deacon, or if, if you if you do anything, sound system, pick up a, a piece of paper, whatever you're doing for the Lord, it don't matter. Little as much when God is in it. 
And sometimes you just say, well, I don't know, you know, Satan again. Well, yeah, does it really matter? It does matter. And he is our ally. It is he. And he is the one. By the way, if he is your ally, my, my, my. I, I love watching World War II documentaries. And one thing I love about it is to watch all the countries act as if they want it. And then Americans come on the screen and they all look at the camera like, okay, I love that. They say, well, you know, the British did this and this country did that. And Scotland sent this many troops and Australia did this. And then like this and like, yeah, okay. And the expeditionary force of the United States come in. And I love it because everybody kind of knows like, uh, well, they did have a whole lot to do with. You see, they had an ally come. They said when Churchill called FDR in the night, he said, okay, Winston will, will come, that he slept like a baby because he knew little brother was showing up and little brother was pretty tough. Well, let me say something to you tonight. America's nothing compared to our Lord tonight. He's our ally. He's our ally. Hey, can I say, can I confess something to you? I preached some funerals and I knew some people in the room couldn't stand to even look at me. I said, Lord, I don't want to do this. I do not want to be here. I do not like this. Put me on the beach somewhere Sipping on some sweet tea with some shades on fishing. Nobody else like that? Or whatever it is you like to do. Up in a tree stand, whatever it is. And I said, Lord, I need you though. I'm here for this time. Lord, I need you. Hey, he is my ally. He's your ally tonight. And by the way, if you have him as your ally, hey, if you and God make the majority. He not only is our ally, how about this? He is our partner. He says here, I'm with you. For he says in this text, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. He said, I was with you. I'm the one that brought, he, he, he references Egypt. He said, I'm the one that parted the Red Sea. I'm the one that dried it up. I'm the one that caused the food to fall. I'm the one that fed you and clothed you. I'm the one that brought you out of the wilderness. I'm the one that built the first temple. I'm the one that will build this temple. I'm the one that will redeem you. I am sending my son. I am, he's going to die on, I mean, he is the one tonight. Listen, he is our partner. David said, I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. Was David a good shot? We know he was. But his partners who did that. I know some modern preachers try to put us in the middle of that and talk about us like we are the ones. I'm going to tell you who the, who the hero of King David's story is, is the Lord of hosts. That's who the hero is. Let me tell you who the hero is here in the book of Haggai. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who the hero is. Who, who is the hero in the story of the prodigal son? It's that picture of pointing back to the heavenly father that forgives. That's who the hero is. The hero in the word of God is the Lord. It's his word. And he is our partner. Now, I don't know about you all tonight, but if you had a partner come in with you that you know could fix everything, then if, you, if you was in business, you said, well, if you get that partner, if you get that contract, you're going to have it made. Let me say something to you. There ain't no partner, there ain't no contract going to have it made for eternity like this one right here. What a partner. And then the last thing, he is our power giver. He is our power giver. I wish tonight that I could, as your pastor, say, here, take this, and you'll be fired up for two weeks on the Lord. Let me give you two verses, and it'll be zapped. I wish, I wish I had that power to do that for you as a pastor. I can't have that power. Nobody has that power. 
I know we, we live in a world, I, I see some of these, you know, commercials. Take this and you can eat every, anything you want and lose 50 pounds. I'm like, oh, sign me up. Right? If it's too good to be true. But here's the thing about it. It's not too good to be true with the Lord. He is the power giver. Now, he gives power in a different way. And his accounting is different than this world. And we may not know until we get to heaven just what all he's doing. God meant it unto good. In Genesis, we see it with, with Joseph. If you looked at Joseph's life, if you dropped in in his life, said, how in the world could anything good come out of this? But the Bible tells us that God meant it unto good. You see, tonight, church, he is the power giver. Whatever's going on in our life, whatever's discouraging us or depressing us or frustrating us or aggravating us, and by the way, you, it, this may not be to you, it may be to me. But I think all of us at times that, man, his, my spirit remaineth among you. And here's the thing about it tonight. His spirit remains among us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. I remember coming to Cook's Chapel and dating a sweet little blue-eyed girl. First time, I think our first date was here. And I heard preaching from this pulpit about the Word of God, through the Word of God, and the power of God. And let me say something to you. One thing that has not changed is the emphasis on the power of the Word of God and the preached Word of God right here in this place. See, that has never changed. That has never changed. Now, my life and my attitudes went up and down. I remember coming here and I thought, man, what is different? I'm going to tell you what it was. It was the power giver. It was the power giver. when I, I remember God was calling me to preach and I was under a bridge and beating on the side of the bridge and I was driving to work and I was like, oh, Lord, what in the world's going on? I, I remember a man looking at me and said, I'll never let you work ever again here. And I sat there and I said, Lord, I'm scared to death. What in the world do I do? Hey, he's the power giver. He's the power giver. I could tell you again and again and again and seeing God work and move in a mighty way. I was in a church in northern Alabama preaching and I shared my testimony. The place was packed. And a young man stood up and looked at me in the face and he started looking at himself like this. He was just pointing himself like, that's me. That's me. How does a boy from West Virginia go to Alabama and preach in a meeting? Have, I still don't know where I was hardly at. I couldn't find it if, you, if my life depended on it. And God work and move in that way, I'm going to tell you, because he's the power giver. He's the power giver tonight. And whatever it is that we're dealing with, and again, I'm not making light of that, but we need him tonight. And he tells us in his word, my spirit remaineth among you. Let's all stand tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to draw close to you. I pray, Lord, we would continue to trust you and look to you.